This is a HeadGum Podcast. This is why, this is why, pop culture, politics, friendship, dating, work, parenting, news. This is why, the podcast. Welcome to the This Is Why podcast. I'm journalist, author, and comedy writer, Laura Lane. And I'm author and editor, Angela Sparrow. We are the co-writers of the book, This Is Why You're Single. Every week we give best friend advice on topics including pop culture, news, friendship, dating, workplace dynamics, parenting, and whatever else is on your mind. This week's episode is called Quarter Life Crisis. We will be answering your listener questions, including one listener who isn't sure her career is the right one and another listener who feels uncomfortable being her friend's weight loss buddy. Then we're talking about what's in the news. Ivanka and Jared get a pad in Florida. Thank God. Bye. And Gigi Hadid posts a belated baby bump, which I found very relatable. But first, Angela, what has been going on in your mind this week? What's been going on in your week? How's life? Oh, life. Life is... So we're recording this, or this is airing at the end of January, but we're recording this right before the beginning of January. So we're still in the midst of the holidays and the horrible year that is 2020 winding down. Um, And of course, it had to go out with a bang for me. So uh, let me tell you guys about my Christmas. About a week before Christmas, got a call from my parents. You know, my dad's been in and out of the hospital because he had cancer, but they removed the cancer. He was cancer-free. Then he had some complications and whatever. Can't get a break. Then but, he was, but then he was okay, and we were so then happy. He was okay, and then he wasn't okay, and then he wasn't okay again. But so, I get, and so now, anytime I get a call from my parents, I answer the phone like, "Who's dead? Like, what's going on?" Um, get a call early in the morning. My dad's like, "Hey," uh, and you know, if you don't, if I haven't talked about my dad before, he's kind of picture like a Tony Soprano type. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> to be kind. <laughs> to be um, kind. No, that that's like fitting. But like, but like, I would say like a nice teddy bear, Tony Soprano. Sure. I mean, Tony had a soft side sometimes. He wasn't always just killing people. Uh, but yeah, my dad. No, your great. dad has like a tough exterior, but he's a very yeah. kind man. He is. He's never killed anyone. <laughs> um, <laughs> your standards. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yes. And he's like, uh, so I have COVID. And I'm like, what the fuck? Are, what? I was like literally still in bed. I was like, what are you talking about? You sound good. What's going on? And he's and so then my mom gets on the phone. He's like, here, talk to your mother, which is always what happened. Were they together or had they separated? They were, they were. So actually, so they were in the car together, but they the testing place that they went to let them go in together, which I think is so nice. I never got to do that with Ian when we got tested together. Um, but so. They were in the car, but and then they quarantined. Okay, I'll let you tell the story. Well, they were driving home from the testing place. They, like, called me before they were even home. Um, and I guess so, at that point, they were like, well, we drove here together. and we- Oh, well, listen, they were living together. Like, my mom – so my mom tested negative, but she's quarantining as well. We're just assuming that either it was a false negative or that – A false positive, she- maybe, maybe. So the, the person who did the test – and uh, this is – the tests are so wonky still – so it's like, who knows? But the guy said it's um, false positives are pretty rare. False negatives are very common. Oh, fuck. So, yeah. But so, but there's lots of different scenarios. He had been in the hospital the week before and he couldn't breathe. Um, but it was because his like lungs were filled, filling with fluid. But they never actually figured out what was wrong with him. 
Like they kind of sent him home and they were like, you're better, but we don't know what was wrong with you. But they had tested him and he tested negative. So it's like he could have had it then. And if that's the case, that's like best case scenario because it would mean that he was in the hospital already. He was in the hospital and and they took care of him. And during the period where he was contagious, my mom would have not gotten it. But like, we we don't know. We're still in the midst of it. Like, so, but all right. The good news is he has yet to show symptoms. It's been like at this point, six days since he was tested. Um, He's supposed to be in quarantine. They're both in quarantine for 10 days. Um, And then they get retested and we'll see. But like, thank God he has not shown any symptoms. So then you think it might just be like, like his pot, like he maybe had it when he was in the hospital. It's either that or he's asymptomatic or (laughs) it's a false positive. That's nuts. Which would be the worst case scenario because to go through all this trauma of like, worrying about my parents and then to come out of it without even them having antibodies, uh, I think I will have a nervous breakdown. Totally. Completely. So hopefully my mom keeps calling me. She's like, do you think, do we have antibodies? Do we have antibodies now? I'm like, I don't know. There's a test. You can get tested. We'll find out. Oh my God. Am I allowed to get the vaccine now that I've been around daddy? (laughs) You're like, please just get it also. Yes. Get the vaccine. (laughs) Um, But yes, the answer is you can, even if you've had it, whatever. I think you have to like wait a certain amount of time, but by the time the vaccine is available to them, they will be good. Um, Jesus. But yeah. So this Cannot of- catch a break. So needless yes. to say, you won't be seeing them. I mean, thank God they're doing okay. Yes. That's the most important thing to me. That's really all I care about. But yes, the already canceled Christmas is further canceled because uh, the Christmas is falling within the 10 days where they are quarantined. And we weren't going to see extended family anyway. It was just going to be me, my parents, and Ian, because we already considered my parents in our bubble, like we've been seeing them. Um, but now we can't. And of course, my mom is like Buddy the Elf. She loves Christmas, so she's devastated. But oh, I remember. Like, yeah, yeah. She. she I've been loves to. to decorate. I've, I've seen your house decorated. It's impressive. We have Christmas decor everywhere, including the bathroom. Uh, we used to have Christmas toilet paper, but we don't do that anymore. <laughs> maybe, maybe <laughs> next year though, because there'll be a lot to celebrate. Yes. Um. But yeah, it's it's pretty insane. Hopefully, I'll be able to spend New Year's with them if they both test negative next week. But uh, yeah, how else could 2020 end? Of course, this is how it ended. And I, I have to say, I already like was furious when I saw people like breaking COVID rules. But now having my parents potentially sick, I feel like I'm I'm going to she Hulk every time I how see do somebody they, not wearing a mask on the street. Do they know? Do they think they he got it in the hospital from being in the hospital? The only places that they could have possibly been so like my dad was in the ER. He was there for like over 24 hours. Before he got a room and uh, there were already like tons of COVID patients at the hospital. So like most likely that has to be like if if he didn't get it in the ER and like they they actually got it from my mom going to ShopRite or something, I would be shocked. Yeah, um, it's crazy. Those, You'll never know though. Yeah, but we'll never know. The only places that they've been are, yeah, like my mom's been grocery shopping and my dad's been in the hospital. So I don't know. Pretty insane. Oh my God. Well, uh Hopefully, it this podcast comes out January twenty seventh. I think, and the way things were going, a million things could change between now and then. No, but no, but hopefully, only good, only good, only good, only, only good. good. That's what I'm saying. Is like, hopefully, all this is behind us. Come the airing of this podcast. Yes. Well, yeah. Uh, I hope so. Fingers crossed. But on a lighter note, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I 
I want, well, I guess I'm going to talk about something that I, an email that I got around Christmas time also. So yes, it's like a month out by the time this airs, but I think it's still interesting. So I got this email. This is the subject. Okay. Best in all caps, Angela, best dot gift dot ever dot. And then a present emoji. What do you think that gift was? What do you think this, 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 this promo was for? Sounds pretty good. I don't know. With best gift ever, world peace. I don't know. What was it? Fucking, I'm so pissed about this. So this is from the, this is from the, I, I, I've switched doctors um, for like pregnancy doctors, but the original doctors I was with, I'm still on their mailing list. Apparently this is from my pregnant, like my OBGYN doctors and it's revitalize and rejuvenate for 2021 with two innovative aesthetic technologies. And it's the best gift ever. True sculpt, you know, body sculpting treatments. Cause you uh, know, now is a great time to be getting elective surgeries. Micro needling. Uh, yeah. All this shit. Okay. I'm not against any of that stuff. Like I've done micro needling. I've done like, I'm all about the lasers and all that shit. I do not think that you should be sending this to pregnant women who number one, like are already going through body image issues and like going through body changes. Number two, they can't do anything about any of it because if you're pregnant, like you really should just be as natural as possible. And like that, you know, you gotta be careful with what facials you gotta be careful with so many things when you're pregnant, like what you eat, you can't even drink certain teas, Angela, like certain herbs and teas are like harmful. It's truly nuts. You have to think about everything. Like I, I, I was using like solistic acid and then, and then I was like reading my book and it was like, no solistic acid. I was like, fuck. And like when I had a pimple and I was like, ah, and uh, like threw it, threw it across the room. Like you have to be so careful. So I sent them an email. I said, this is very, so I I reply. I said, this is very harmful for you to be sending this to pregnant women, three exclamation marks. You are contributing to toxic body image issues with women, especially ones growing babies and dealing with body changes that should be viewed as healthy. Laura. Now, Angela, this is not the first email that I've sent about this. I didn't talk about this. It took me a while to feel comfortable really even talking about my pregnancy because I don't know. I'm high risk. I just felt like I wanted to keep it close to home. I didn't tell a lot of people when I was found out I was pregnant. I didn't talk about the podcast at first, but I really wanted to talk about it on the podcast after I went to my appointment, but I was in my first trimester and I was like, you know what? I'm just, but now, now it came up again when I, and I had forgotten about this story by the time I talked on the podcast about being pregnant and told more people I was pregnant. Um, and then when I got this email right before Christmas about best gift ever, it reminded me about this. So when I was in my very, my first trimester, which is like, you know, like really nervous time for women, I'm like sitting, waiting to get my test. I'm all nervous. And I, I'm waiting in the lobby and I see mommy. And this is the, this is the thing on the TV. Mommy makeover at Carnegie Women's Health. The reality is that most women struggle to lose fat and excess skin after childbearing, but not all want to undergo surgery for transformative results. So they're like, these are literally, this is an office where people who are newly pregnant and gaining weight, hopefully, you know, which is healthy, you need to gain weight to have a baby. They're promoting mommy makeovers, okay? Then I go into the, then I go into a specific room now offering non-invasive mommy makeovers, but it's still like the same. It's like non-invasive. It's not like liposuction, but it's like lasers and things. Mm -hmm. So I took pictures of all these and I sent an email 
Hi, I was in the office today to get a first trimester ultrasound for my pregnancy, and I saw the advertising and videos about women's health weight loss and mommy makeovers all over the office, on the TV, and hanging in the office. See attached pictures. In short, this is harmful to women. Obviously, Angela, when I wrote this, I was like very hormonal and just like pissed. I was like, I'm fucking pregnant and I'm already bloated. Like, I've got another nine months of this. Like, you should not be fucking advertising mommy makeovers to me when I've got but like. I agree with you as a non hormonal person. Okay, good. I agree with I'm you. I'm going to continue then. But I just wanted to check in with you to see if you were like feeling like I was psycho. No, I'm on board. Okay, okay. These are advertisements being thrown in pregnant women's faces about how they need to be concerned about looking good and adhering to unattainable standards of beauty and thinking about a mommy makeover before they've even had a baby. There is enough pressure in society and in women's magazines for women to look a certain way and lose post-baby weight in an unreasonable amount of time without needing to have this flash in our faces or advertised all over our OBGYN office while we're still growing a baby. Thank you, Laura. So I think that this is you using your powers for good. Okay. So then it's <laughs> Did they answer ha- you? No, they didn't fucking answer me then. And then instead of t- they should have known better and like should have like immediately taken me off the list or especially like taken me off of the promotions for these type of mommy makeover advertisements that they're doing, but they didn't. And so, you know, I switched doctors, not for this reason, but for other reasons. And so like I wasn't you know, fuming every time I saw the mommy makeover advertisements all over the fucking office. Thank God. Cause I was in, go to a different doc. I met it with a different doctor that like, doesn't try to talk about like losing weight and saggy ass skin for people growing fetuses. But, but then, but then they left me on their mailing list and sent me a thing for best gift ever. Anyways, I was a little furious so I sent another email like replying to their newsletter and I just wanted to get your opinion on the whole sitch I I think it's great that you did that um I think it's gross that they're sending those emails especially that reminds me a lot of like last year when um Peloton got in a bunch of shit for their that ad that they did where it was like the husband getting the wife the bike Nick uh, Nick was just talking about this because we were walking by a, a, like this Peloton ad and I was like that's a great ad because it was like about like this like um it was like a woman like cooking for her kids and like she wrote like I I ride because I like cake or something like that like mm-hmm. like I like to eat cake and I was like it was like very I don't know, it was like very funny but I was like okay yeah you like you ride a bike so you can eat as much cake as you want like okay I guess that's like funny. And um, the way I'm not explaining well, it actually sounds like a bad advertisement when I'm explaining it out loud. Actually, this is a reoccurring <laughs> problem that Peloton has. <laughs> I don't know why it came across different when I was walking by it on the street, but when as I'm explaining it, I don't like it anymore. But anyways, and then Nick was like, "Ugh, well, they're trying to make a comeback after their really All bad right. ad." And then anyway, yeah, yeah. I think anytime that you try to frame, uh, like women altering their bodies as like a gift. It's such a gift for you to like fuck around with yourself because you're not good enough. But here's this gift that can make you a little better. I, it just, yeah, it just it's sits disgusting. Sits in an icky place. But with me. is it not? It's so much worse to be sending this shit out to pregnant women about yeah. mommy make like it. Like if it's not bad enough to like, I did not ask to be on these newsletters for like 
body image changing stuff. Like if I decide after I have a baby that I want to like do some lasers or like whatever, like that's my choice. And I'll like go and seek that out on my own. But I don't think that my like OBGYN doctors, and I don't judge people for doing that. Like, like your body goes through crazy shit, like do what makes you feel good. But like to be like sitting in my doctor's office while I'm growing a baby and have this flashed in front of my face and you to use my email that you only have because I've given it to you to deal with like my, my medical care from my body and that of my growing baby for you to use that email to then send me advertisements about like mommy makeovers is so fucked and makes me so full of anger. And I'm somebody that like is very open-minded about like what people do with their body, you know? Yeah. Seeking it out is fine, but to have it like repeatedly advertised by the doctor. In an office where where you're you're in their care to deliver your baby and they are repeatedly coming at you with like cosmetic surgery stuff. It's, Disgusting. Very uncomfortable. In the off in the office lobby, hanging on the wall of the of the of all the rooms. Like it was crazy. And like it was so bad to the point where I was like, in my first trimester, I was like, I'm gonna send this email. And then and then, you know, months went by. And then for me to get this email, now I'm in my like late second trimester, to get this email around Christmas about best gift ever. And I'm like, oh, this is from my OBGYN trying to promote their mommy makeovers again. Oh, I'm fuming once again. So, well, good for you. Thanks. All right. Thanks for letting me vent. I feel better. <sighs> it's time for us to now jump into our mailbox. Angela, what do we have in the mailbox? Um, this week we have a question from someone who signed their name as a confused employee. The subject line was job doubts. So, here's what they write. They say, "Hi Lauren, Angela." I have a master's degree, and I've been working in my field for about three years. Even since grad school, I've been questioning if this is the right career for me. I find myself a little bit dreading doing my work at the start of the day, but by the end of the day, most times I feel fulfilled and mostly enjoy my job. It's hard because I like my job half the time and absolutely hate it the other half, and I'm sick of feeling like I hate it. Is this normal? I can't go back to school because I already have so much student debt. Making a career change seems scary, and I worry that if I make the change, I'll regret it. I'm a mental health counselor, by the way. I would so appreciate your thoughts on this. Thanks so much. Sincerely, a confused employee. Well, now I'm feeling like I'm not qualified to be giving advice to someone that's like a mental health counselor. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Really? I'm just going to, I'm just going to, I'm just going to, you know, in my head, pretend that this is kind of, it could be. this could be written in any career. And I feel like I know so many friends that have gone through this and have made career changes. Some example, and and I don't think you always need to go back to school to to do no. that. And I have a lot of friends, you know, when you decide what you want to do, you're so young when you're, when you are making that decision to go to school. Like I remember being a high school senior and then be like, what do you want to do? What do you want to be? And like, I was like, I, I was like a journalist. And I picked that book and I, you know, there's things I like about journalism, but who knows? There's so many other careers that I didn't even consider or that I didn't even know existed that like maybe would have been just as fulfilling, if not more. But I was like, I don't know. I've like, you know, I like interviewing people. I'm curious. So I fell into journalism and there's a lot that I like about it, but there's a lot that I don't like about the industry. And anyways, and I, and I have so many friends that are in the journalism field that have like pivoted. And some examples have been They've like gone to write copy for brands. Um, they've like, like, yeah, one of my friends works for like a credit card company 
Um, and like she oversees the like the like brand the like brand's like website and like company tells like stories about employees and she finds it so fulfilling, like way more than she did when she used to write about shoes for a living. And I don't know. I just, I have like a lot of friends that have pivoted recently. I have a friend that like started out working at charities, which sounds like it'd be fulfilling, but she found it like asking people for money, very uncomfortable and like, just like didn't like it. And now she works in real estate and just finds like helping people find homes more fulfilling than working at like charities. And I just, (laughs) interesting. (laughs) no, well, I don't know. It's like, it it can be uncomfortable, like asking people for money all the time. You know what I mean? And, and, and she feels like now she gives back to the world in other ways. And I don't know, helping find people homes. I can understand. Maybe outside, outside of a real estate job. Outside of a real estate job. Yeah. She, she's like, yeah, does like so much work to help to to like help and she's still involved in the charity she used to work for it just like wasn't for her. Um but anyways, I I think it's a totally normal feeling. I don't I strongly believe that you do not have to be stuck in the cur- the career that you pick after college for like the next 40 years of your life. Like that's insane. Like you are allowed to have many different careers, many different iterations of your life and your work and there's a lot of different like routes to go about it. I don't know. How do you feel, Angela? Yeah. I mean, just anecdotally from, from my perspective, I, I was at a point a few years ago where I was transitioning from writing into editing or I was interested in transitioning from writing into editing. And I was like considering going back to school because I just didn't know where to start. And I was lucky enough to, through a friend, meet up with somebody who did what I wanted to do. And we went to dinner. And he was like, absolutely don't go back to school. That's like not necessarily, not necessary at all. And he kind of gave me some pointers for what I should do. And then I actually wound up getting a job through him, which won't always happen. But I mean, uh, Ian's, Ian's dad actually always says, ask somebody for advice, you'll get a job. Ask for a job, you'll get advice. Uh, so in my case, that was true. Nice. Uh, but I do the, I do think like if you're interested in a different career, a good baby step is like talking to somebody who does that thing and finding out like what you do need to do because it might not entail going back to school um, unless, you know, you want to transition to being like a brain surgeon, then yeah, you'll need some more schooling. But very often there are, there are things that you can take your transferable skills and like figure out how to market them uh, to that new career. So I don't know. It's definitely like you can just start exploring, like innocently explore, talk to other people. I do think that um, the way you describe how you feel about your job is pretty standard. Like the fact that you can at least say that you leave at the end of the day fulfilled and happy, I think is is good. It's a good sign. Yeah. Um, I mean, like unless I'm trying to think of a job where you'd be like constantly happy and fulfilled and I genuinely can't think of any job like I have friends that are models where they literally get like makeup and hair done and like pose for pictures and they like and like they have come to me for a career <laughs> advice before and been like because eventually everything feels like work I everything mean, like, feels like work and I'm like they're like I'm like you should just keep being a model and they're like but I really <laughs> want to be like a sports broadcaster and you used to do that for a bit like how do I get into that and I'm like I <laughs> It's just great. Like I'm telling you, Angela, like I don't know anyone that likes their their job. Like I really don't. Like all my friends that are filmmakers, like, like it doesn't even it doesn't matter what you should, you're gonna like me, my friend my friends that are models have come to me. I'm like, I 
I don't know what to tell you. I, you get yeah. to wear really beautiful dresses all the time. <laughs> yeah, but but maybe they want a job where they can like eat a quarter pounder. I you know, know. I, I, know. I, I feel. I don't know. Um, but, but yeah, yeah you're but, never – I don't think there's any job that you're going to love 100% of the time. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't explore your other options. But it also – I don't know. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're in the wrong place in your life right now. No. Um, what else we got in the mailbox? Okay. This is from uh, – I believe this is supposed to be anonymous. No, I'm going to sign. Okay. Anonymous listener. And they write, I'm having a bit of a friend struggle – one of my closest friends constantly asks me to do workouts with her, help her lose weight, or be her accountability buddy. These requests always make me feel self-conscious and like I have a pressure to help or like I have a pressure to work out or be thinner than I am. We have a very we have very different ideas of healthy food and exercise. I give myself grace when there's a like a, when there's like a worldwide pandemic or you know, life gets too busy. But she and her husband are very self-deprecating. I don't mind where my body is, and she counts pounds like crazy. I want to help my friend and encourage her to have a healthy body image because she is a badass mom. She always talks about getting her pre-baby body back without compromising my own work I've done to have my own healthy body image. I feel like we come at this from such different perspectives. How should I approach the conversation? I love this question because it's so nuanced, and I feel like her friend probably read in some article or some podcast or something told her like, you should get an accountability buddy or like have a workout buddy and it'll help you stay healthy if you have like a friend to do it with. And this is obviously a friend that, that this person really likes and like wants to work out with or thinks, you know, thinks is a responsible person that can like be their accountability buddy. But when you give advice like that, and I, I'm trying to think if I've ever given advice like that, I really, I mean, now I'm going to always second guess it if I ever have thought to in the past because it doesn't take into account the person that you're putting that on. And like, and yeah, what I love how she describes it. She says like, you know, she doesn't want to compromise the work she's done to have her own healthy body image. And when she's got to like take on her friends, uh, like, yeah, like the, I was going to say like the weight, but it's about weight loss. Like the weight of her, yeah. The, like when she's got to like take on all of, I don't know, what what everything her friend's asking, it can compromise what, what she's done. I don't know. It's very complicated. I don't, you, you want to be there for your friend that, that clearly feels like they can't, maybe, you know, can't or don't want to or find it more fun or fulfilling to do it with, with somebody, you know, and it is, yeah. and it is, can be fun, but I think, yeah, you don't, you don't um when when you when you read advice like accountability buddies like i can remember with when we were when we did like um my friend hillary scheinbaum she did the sober yeah the like the dry challenge the dry, dry challenge january yeah yeah and one of the advices whenever you do it, it's like get a buddy get a friend to do it with um and like a lot of like challenges or and workouts can be seen as like a challenge too it's like get a buddy get a buddy get a buddy um, but yeah, I mean like maybe somebody has a drinking problem, maybe someone has a weight loss problem. So yeah, sometimes you maybe do want to like really second guess it. I think when you do ask somebody to be your buddy, if that is the advice you've read, I think it is important to ask like, do you want to be my buddy? Do you want to do this? Like I wouldn't, I would never, I would never just like assume that somebody will be that person for me. And it sounds like right. maybe her friend has not asked in a way that said like, Hey, I'm 
you know, going to do this workout challenge. Like, do you want to work out with me? And like, do you want to do this thing with me? Because if she would have asked it in a really like open-minded kind of way, maybe like more of a curious way, like, you know, no worries if you don't, I'll ask someone else. Then it would have given this person that wrote into us an opportunity or a window to be like, hey, actually, I don't think I really, you know, want to do that right now. Or I don't really want to do this weight loss challenge or um, I think you maybe should ask someone else because I, you know, I'm going through my own like body image stuff or just, it would have just given her a window to kind of explain herself. But it sounds like the friend just, I don't know, or well, maybe, maybe she's never. I think it's possible yeah. that they, maybe they started out thinking that they were both on the same page and it was like, oh, great accountability buddy. Like we both want to work out, but then they found out that they both have very different approaches. So now, you know, she committed, thought she was on board and now she's like. This is not healthy for me to be a part of. Um, so I think, I mean, yeah, like I have no problem with the idea of an accountability buddy, but you both have to be on the same page. And you, you sometimes the only way to learn that you're not on the same page is by doing the thing and finding out you have different approaches. So I think you can just talk to your friend and be like, I'm not, I don't really want to work out as much as you are. Uh, like I need a break. So I think you need a different accountability buddy. And I wouldn't honestly, I don't think you're going to like affect her, her workout plan or her, her weight loss journey, because it sounds like she's very committed, whether you're on board with her or not. So she'll just find a different buddy. Like, I don't think that her health is in your hands. You don't have to think about it like that. Um, so yeah, I think you can just be like, I need to take a break. Yeah. So go your own way. I, I like that advice. And I, yeah. And I, and I do think it's okay to actually like, I read this in like a parenting book somewhere, but it was like, if you say something to your kid and then you change your mind, you can actually just tell your kid like, Hey, like, I know that I said like, you can have like cookies before bedtime, but like I don't, cookies is a bad example. Cause I hate like food stuff, but um, but like I've actually changed my mind or like, or for example, like if a kid is playing with something and then you kind of realize it might be dangerous, you know? you might be like, oh shit, I told them it was okay, but now I don't want to. Like, it's okay to say like, hey, I know I told you you could play with that like, you know, glass bottle, but like actually I'm kind of, I've, I've changed my mind. It's actually like a little more dangerous. I'm going to have to take that away. I'm sorry. I know I told you that you could have it, but I'm going to take it away. And that's really, really help, helpful for me as a parent to just, to just like truthfully and honestly, like if I change my mind, just explain that and explain why. And I find that like, Rilo very rarely gets upset when I just say the words like I've changed my mind versus being like, I'm taking this away. Cause that's more confusing, right. confusing for him to be like, but you said I could, what, what did I do something wrong? So if I take responsibility, say like, I've changed my mind, you didn't do anything wrong. I just changed my mind about what I said. So right. I think you could kind of, honestly, I w- maybe use the same approach with your friend. So she doesn't feel like she did anything wrong necessarily and just be like, Hey, I know I said I could be like an accountability buddy and I like wanted to do these workouts and like, it's been really fun and I'm really grateful that you trusted me and asked me to do it. But I've, I've kind of changed my mind. It's not really for me. And I realized that like thinking about weight loss, you know, this often has kind of like affected me and my own body image. And I, I want to be that support for you, but I I've changed my mind, you know? And yeah, Use like the same kind of tactics so your friend doesn't feel like you're blaming her that she did anything wrong, but you're also always allowed to change your mind. Yeah. Yeah. And you can say like, I think you deserve an accountability buddy who 
uh, is more on board to like do these things with you more often because I have a lot going on right now and it's just like not something that I want in my life. So support your journey, but I think you need a new buddy. Yeah. I love that. Um, if any of you listeners want your questions answered, email us at contact at this is why the podcast.com. You can also find all of our contact info on our website at this is why the podcast.com. Next, we're going to talk about what we've been reading. All right, Angela, what have you been reading this week? So page six is reporting. We're, we're talking about Jared and Ivanka yet again. They're saying that, uh, Jared and Ivanka bought a $30 million lot on a high-security Miami island. Uh, a couple episodes ago, we talked about how they were probably not welcome back to their bougie New York lifestyle. Um, I actually think it's funny that we're talking about this again this week because that episode has haunted me ever since because I keep being like uh, – we were talking about like people booing them out of restaurants and stuff, and I was like, oh, I'd be too scared to boo. And then like in the days after we recorded, I was like, fuck that. Why did I say that? I would boo. Fuck them. Okay, great. Great. Um, so this gave you let an me opportunity. Change my stance. I love see, you're allowed to change your mind. Yeah. I've about changed, this. I've changed my mind. Um, obviously, I always hated them with a passion. I was just like being like, oh, I'm too scared. I would be scared to start the booing. But no, I'm not too scared. I would boo them. Um, but now people that live in Miami will get to boo them when they go to uh Miami restaurants. Um the home is in Miami's uber swanky and high security Indian Creek Island, which is known as the Billionaire's Bunker. So I don't know, maybe maybe at the Billionaire's Bunker you don't get food. Um, ah, yeah, good for them. I'm happy it's about believed. this that we won't see them so much in New York. Yeah, and it's a home that was previously owned by Julio Iglesias, which is just a hilarious fun fact. Love a good fun fact. Love a fun fact. Um. Hopefully they stay in the billionaire bunker and we never have to see their faces again, except for maybe possibly when they go to jail. Maybe. Maybe. At their arraignment. Maybe, maybe. Uh, you want to know what I've been reading? Yeah, what are you reading? So I was reading People Magazine, decided to keep it light and fun today. So I was just looking for articles and I saw Gigi Hadid shows off her baby bump. And I was like, what? But she already had her baby. So this is a throwback pregnancy selfie from the night before she went into labor. So she's been posting a lot of like pregnancy pictures like after she had the baby, which I find so relatable because I have not been posting that many pictures of my bump. It just feels like weird. I get superstitious about it all. I am like, like, I don't know, like I don't want like my whole feed to be just like bump shots. (laughs) But then like once the baby's here and you know the baby's okay, I can relate to like wanting to be like, Oh my God. Like I I didn't, I have like, I didn't post like any bump shots, you know, and like, Oh, I have all these like beautiful memories that I want to share with my friends and family. And like, I was too superstitious or just like felt weird posting them when I was pregnant. But then it's very, it it felt like, like equally awkward to be like, well, now the baby's here. Why am I posting pictures when the baby was in my belly and I had the bump? Like now you're going to post baby pictures. So that's what TBT is for. TBT. So I know, but then it feels weird to be TBT of pregnancy pictures. I don't know. I, I just really related to the fact that like she was not posting a lot while she was pregnant. And then after she had the baby, she has been like posting a lot of bump pictures. And I was like, that's going to be me, me and Gigi. (laughs) I relate. She's paving the way. She wanted to keep it close to home. And, uh, but, but, uh, 
but uh, now is posting away. So that's it. That's I all. get that. I totally understand that. I'm I superstitious as well. Yeah. All right. Now it is time for our topic of the week. This week's topic is quarter life crisis. Yes, this topic was inspired by our listener who wrote in unsure about her career and if it was the right one for her. And I think we've all felt that way at a certain point that we need reinvention or we wonder if we majored in the right field or if we accepted the right job. I've wondered that a million times. I look back on my career and it's like, it's just like you could play like endlessly like the butterfly effect of like, I'm like, should I have stayed at ESPN and like moved to Bristol like they asked me to? Like, would I be on Sports Center right now? Would I even enjoy that? I don't actually think I would enjoy it. Like, I maybe wouldn't have Nick or Rilo if I had done that. You know, should I have quit People Magazine or should I still be there? I don't know. Who knows? It, you know, it makes sense to second guess things every four years. I've always had this theory that, you know, our brains become like conditioned to changes every four years because you know, middle school is about four years, like three years, then high school is four years, college is four years. And then I really feel like four years after that, we like ache for a change. Kind of that entry level job is finishing up and we're used to like big, big, huge changes happening every like three to four years. So we like, we ache for something. It's happened to me also after every major project I do comes to a wrap after we finish like kind of the this is why you're single world I was like oh my god I have no other ideas like what am I gonna do and it happened again after like the Cinderella book came out and then you know we were in quarantine so I I you know and, and those projects were all about like anywhere from like yeah, like two to four years. It's hard to kind of, you know, from when like the sketch show started to the book coming out. But yeah, it's like every four years you're kind of like, fuck, well, what am I going to do? And I thought about like, should I go back to school? And I'm like, not going to do that. Um, I, yeah, I, st- I still don't know what's next to me, next for me. I'm, I'm really figuring it out. It's definitely not like a quarter life crisis or I'd be living to be 120. But I think it's the same sentiment. Um, I think think that that's interesting because I feel like I'm on a similar, maybe there's something to your every four years theory because yeah, I feel like I had a major quarter life crisis, like kind of mid to early twenties. Um, and I feel like I'm sort of having another one now, but it's different. It's like when it was in my early twenties, it was very much like, who am I? Where am I going? What am I doing? Like, I felt like I had no answers. And now I'm at a point where I feel like I've made progress. Like I I have a lot more stability and clarity on like uh, where I am and where I want to be. And like, I, I, like, I definitely am like physically where I want to be. It's just like the unknowns have changed now. So, I mean, I don't know if there's something comforting in that and that it's like you make progress. Yeah. 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 What become, what is like comforting and like secure for you but then you always constantly have like more insecurities and like questions about life I think it just keeps changing always yeah it's a it's a total like it's a constant evolution and like I told our our listener I I do think it's completely normal for people to have like different careers and go through different you know different stages of their life and sometimes like certain partners are right for them at certain points in their life and then they're not and you're not like a failure if you if if you realize that someone's not right for you, you're not a failure. If you realize the career you've chosen isn't right for you, you know, I used to be a sports reporter. I thought I was going to be like, you know, the next Hannah Storm. That's very much not what I do now. 
Um, and, and I honestly don't think I would be happy doing that. I like hosted a poker show for ESPN on the sports center set, did that for a couple years and was like going in locker rooms and it was really exciting for a period of my life. But I don't know the, the whole TV thing caused me a lot of stress and body image stuff. I always felt like I wasn't like skinny enough or people are always making comments about like how I dressed and it just, yeah. it really caused me a lot of anxiety. And then, you know, I was a celebrity reporter for a while and I was just so done with that. And so, and then now I'm like in my author, writer, comedy, I don't even know what I'm doing. I do like a little bit of every, I do a little bit of everything now, but I, I think it's okay for things to change. So, um, yeah, I don't know. You, you're reading an article. Yes. So Forbes back in 2016, they kind of touched on all this stuff and, um, they said, uh, basically step up and create things that you want to see in the world. Drop the excuses about why you're not right for one job. If you really want to see something get done in the world, who better than to do it than you, which is kind of, I think, uh, a question like that is like what led me to taking the comedy writing classes where I met you, where I was like, uh, yeah, there are lots of funny people, but I think I'm one of them and I have stuff that I want to do and put out there and, uh, worked out for me. Um, and me and you, it worked out for me that you did that. So thank you. Yeah. Um, they said to stop trying to please other people. When you create solely for others, it leaves you feeling empty and oftentimes um, we're unable to satisfy them after all. Instead, focus on yourself and create things for the sake of your own enjoyment. I think that's great. That also helps like, I mean, specifically speaking to like writing, that also can really help with writer's block when you're not writing for anybody to actually like read what you've written (laughs) and you're just writing because you enjoy it. Um, a lot of your hangups go away and I'm sure that can translate into other things as well. Um, number three, listen to your inner voice. It can be tricky to recognize your own voice after you've spent most of your life listening to others. So listen carefully, tune into what excites you and head in the direction of your joy. Number four, uncover your identity by trying new things. You might not know yourself as well as you think you do. And finally, if you're having a quarter life crisis, number five, tap into your resistance Notice where you are feeling resistant to taking action or having trouble being with something. Uh, These wells of resistance are the greatest source for us to discover where our edge is and where we have room to grow. I love that. Um, I I found some other advice from a website called The Muse when I was Googling around the internet. So they said, seek out solidarity, you know, find friends, start talking to them. You'll probably find that you're not alone. Uh, Work a side hustle. You know, I we say this a lot, like don't quit your day job. Like see if your side hustle can become your main gig, but, but it also might make you find out that your, your main gig makes you actually happy as in all you needed was some like side hustles and like other things in your life to interest you. Don't let your degree define you. Honestly, at some point your education is like so far down your resume that like really it does not need to define you. And tell yourself it's normal. So many people go through this. I don't know anybody that hasn't. Um, and yeah, that's all. That's all I got for this week. Uh, and that is it for this week's This Is Why podcast. Check out our book, This Is Why You're Single, and my new book, Cinderella and the Glass Ceiling and Other Feminist Fairy Tales. They will both make you laugh, which we all need uh, at all times in life, especially now, though. And they are available wherever you get books, but we encourage you to get them at your local indie bookstore.
Yep. And you can get hooked up with discounts from all of our sponsors for a full list of sponsors and the codes. Check out our podcast page on thisiswhythepodcast.com. We are also on social, so you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at thisiswhypodcast. Please like and subscribe on iTunes. And thanks for listening. Tune in next week for a whole new show. Bye. Bye. This is why, this is why, pop culture, politics, friendship, dating, work, parenting, news. This is why, the podcast. That was a HeadGum Podcast.